0: Well, they wrote a check that their asses couldn't catch, right? Like that opening was so good, partly because it implied that the whole night was going to look like.
1: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I am Lainey. I am the editor of LaineyGossip.com. I'm a talk show host in Canada and also an entertainment reporter. And yes, I got the vaccine headache. I'm Duana Taha. I
0: am a television writer and producer. And I'm a little bit mad at you because before we started recording, I heard you make a plan for a Christmas present. It's April.
1: You know me, that's what I do. On this episode of Show Your Work, we're actually talking about the rebrand of a vaccine and how a vaccine got a makeover and the work behind it. Who did it? Which generation? That's because we're avoiding talking about the
0: Oscars. We felt the way you did, but we have a few ideas about what they could have done and didn't do.
1: So call us Academy. This
0: is Show Your Work.
1: other side of our first shot. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, at this point we
0: are, it's like we have training bras, right? Like the, yeah. it's like talking to your older friend who's already making out with her boyfriend and, you know, sneaking out at life. And you're like, but, but I have a training bra and I have like period products in case I need it. We're the, like <laughs> the kids who are behind, but yep. yes, at the moment of recording, we are both several days less than a week post
1: jab. yes. post jab one. Um, both of us received the um, what did you call it? What did you we were laughing about this last week. Like what did you call this 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 particular brand?
0: Right. So you need uh, five seconds of of background for people who aren't in Canada. Um, or in Ontario. Anyway, uh, it was opened up to age groups, right? So then they yeah. opened it up to 40 plus. Um, and people started hashtagging, hashtag Gen X Zenica, uh, <laughs> Because, you know, only Generation X uh, will jump at what other people sneeze at, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I went the other way. I called it AstraZeneca, um, Right. Because, you know, Xenial is that very specific tiny micro generation. You know about yep. this? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 77 to 83. Uh, the best name, of course, is Generation Catalano. Uh, but <laughs> that's, I didn't make that up. That's a thats a piece that was written that's amazing that we will link to. Um, but Xennial's whatever, half, half Gen X and half Millennial. Yes, AstraZenial. Uh, and it hasn't quite caught on the way I wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. Although I did have a couple of people pick up on it uh, and and repeat it on Instagram, so I'm feeling good about that.
1: No, but here's how here's how this conversation relates to work and branding and PR. Nobody needs that. We can just talk about our joys of that, <laughs> but yes, go on. No, because it's something that you were raging at on the group thread, on the group chat, where... Um, And, and, you know, our friends, we were all frustrated at the vaccine hesitancy is what the the term Uh is, uh right, where there were all these stories about AstraZeneca and and a lot of people were seeing the headlines, but weren't really reading the fine print in terms of what the odds were and comparably um, what the odds were against, you know, what happens if you go on an airplane, what happens if you are on birth control. We're talking
0: about blood clots specifically. The risk of blood clots, which of course was publicized in the news, oh, cases of blood clots with AstraZeneca, is so much lower with this vaccine than, yes, if you're on birth control, if you fly on a plane. Um, That's right. Your odds of not getting a blood clot, but having much worse things happen if you get hit by a car, are like one in whatever, 25,000 versus your risk with this vaccine.
1: That's right. And so to your point, on one of the group chats, you were like, you know, I wish they were doing a better job with the PR, with the messaging, because that stat about the airplane is is the one you had said on the group chat should be going out there. And so to relate it back to AstraZeneca or <laughs> um, Astra whatever Generation X, what happened, at least here in Canada, for those of you who aren't in the US, is as soon as they opened up to the 40 plus, all those headlines, even though there was like, oh, vaccine hesitancy and blood clots, whatever, the 40 plus generation, that would be you and me, Duanna, were like, uh, here we go, it is party time. And in our country, it turned that messaging, branding, PR situation way around.
0: Absolutely. Suddenly people were super proud. They were super yeah. strutting how cool they were. People are wearing outfits to get their vaccine. Yes. People are like pulling out their Doc Martens to prove how hardcore they are. Um, it is absolutely now the cool vaccine.
1: It, it and then it, and it was a it was a thing on social media here in Canada. It was trending for days and days. We're about, uh, we're in like day nine or at the time of recording by that, by the time you hear this, it'll be almost two weeks where AZ was opened up to the 40 plus and in the not even, this not even a week. You're today. right. Yeah. It's a week. It's a week yesterday actually do. So eight days, right? Monday, it was it Monday was on the Tuesday, not to contradict you, but I'm going to,
0: in the, in the name of accuracy and work, it was on the Tuesday, which is the day that we are recording as of last Tuesday, uh, 40 plus could get. Uh, so at the time of recording, it has been exactly seven days.
1: So yeah, we we're, f- were fresh, fresh into it. I'm going to dispute your timeline. It was the Monday, but... It wasn't. Um, it, you can it find was. timelines. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was the Mondays when, when you started registering because I got it on Wednesday. I got it 48 hours after I registered. Yeah, but you can Listen register every- before it was applicable. They- Listen to us fighting... Well, okay, I'm I'm talking about when it was people were signing up. How about that?
0: Oh no, up, you can't the twist
1: your parameters. That, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, the point is is that we are super fresh into it—not even a week and a half—but in the days in Canada after the announcement that it was being opened up to 40 plus and people were registering, it was all Gen Xers fucking rushing to get their appointments. There was a mad scramble. um, And on Twitter, it was trending. Gen X was like, as Duanna saying, um, bragging about it, being like, you can go for Pfizer, you can go for Moderna, but we are the cool kids who are getting AZ. It was a re it was a total turnaround for messaging um, that, you know, frankly, I wonder if AstraZeneca needs to, you know, um, like, say a public thank you. (laughs) jokes of course the thank you the real thank you is that we have these jabs in our arms but the point is is that generation x really turned around the image of az here in canada for sure um
0: and then after that of course the conversation was about the side effects uh and which you had or which you didn't which instead of being like fearful, turned into its own sort of strut and pride, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you had a fever? Well, I had sleepiness. Oh, yeah? Well, I have a leg ache. Um, (laughs) And people are proud of themselves and even of sort of white knuckling through those side effects, uh, which, you know, is really exciting. It is tempered a little bit by there are now stories coming out of the States saying that people are so worried about the stories about side effects that they are avoiding getting their second shots. If you are somewhere that you are eligible for your second shot or you will be soon, please, please, please just go get the thing. Just like we can provide a service. We in fact, I'm now declaring with no consultation with you. This should be like a temporary service that we're going to provide. At the end of every episode, we're going to make lists of what you can binge while you're recovering from your shot. Um, We'll just make new lists of things we're not otherwise talking about that you can binge during your shot. Um, It's two days of pain for us all to be able to go out and live and sweat and hug again. So Concerts, uh,
1: restaurants, This is...
0: This is us showing our work. I've just decided Um, we will provide lists of things that you can be uh, listening to while you are convalescing from your shot. Mm -hmm.
1: Please get your second shot. I want to go back to, you know, the conversations people were having, right? Because as you said, it quickly turned from, you know, Gen X basically saying, Um, I've lined up, you know, I've registered turning the image of AZ around to conversations on Twitter and in our group chats about comparing, like, as you know, do you have the headache? Yeah, I got the headache, man. Um, but it wasn't said in, uh, like poor me. It was, it was, it was as if, you know, have you been to this restaurant? How was it? What did you order? Like there was no, you know, normally when you're sick, everybody's like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. Feel better. Instead, it was like, uh, Amy, do you have the headache? Oh my God. How bad is it? Yeah, <laughs> I
0: like had social, it too. <laughs> it's a social experiment,
1: right? Like it's a, it's,
0: we're doing a mass science experiment that yeah. will be beneficial. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Um, and so, yeah, it's fun to be like, how'd that go for you? How'd that go for you? What do you feel? What do you not feel? Um, so I, it is kind of fun because it's all leading somewhere really super fun.
1: That's right. I I wrote to you um, and our other friend, Lo, I, and in a very, like in a very serious way. Like the day that I got it, which was a Wednesday, and it was before, you know, I was feeling the side effects. I was on a high. I skipped into that pharmacy. I was friendly and like it was I felt real happiness for the first time in a long time, like a legitimate full body sensation of happiness. And I came home, Yasek and and I got ours on the same day. And that night we were both like, it was a sensation that it was almost foreign because it's been a long time. And, um, I felt emotional over it. And I started sharing that with other people and, um, you know, they, they could relate like, This is, it was a true, it was a true shared communal experience. It obviously mixed with relief, but there is something, I don't know, it's crazy. There was something spiritual about having, having the opportunity to get it, getting it in your arm and knowing that, oh, that is actually for the first time in a long time, the first step to something like an improvement, you know? I, I I do.
0: I absolutely, I would say I felt that strongest when I first booked my parents for their first shot. Mm, like yeah. that was when the feeling of like the clouds parting and a sunbeam yeah. coming through really hit me, uh, in, in a really just kind of strong way. But yeah, when you're sitting there for the vaccine and waiting, I was at Costco Um, so it's definitely people that you wouldn't otherwise be mixing with. Like none of those people are the ones that I'm going to run out to see as soon as, you know, I'm two weeks past shot two, but just kind of going, oh yeah, this is going to be beneficial to everyone who has access to the vaccine because certain places and governments, i.e. ours are not making it accessible to people who need it most. Uh, I just want to be clear about that, but that. Yeah, it is it is ultimately going to benefit everybody.
1: So um, that is our PSA, I guess. But a PSA that was a little SYW, show your work in terms of the, <laughs> the um, AstraZeneca image rehabilitation
0: that we uh, participated yeah. in. That we're thrilled to be, yes, early adopters of. Uh, and speaking of show your work, I just texted you proof that I was right about the date. So
1: anyway, let's get started with the Joanna, show. Joanna, you were registering on a fucking Sunday and it like everybody was scrambling on a Monday of, of to get it. It doesn't matter.
0: The first shots that went in arms were on the
1: Tuesday. I sent but you the email. Were talking about it on Monday. We were That's... talking about it on the group chat. I am not going to make <laughs> you anybody could see go. see the face she's giving me. I'm not going
0: to go back and make anybody re-listen. What I am going to do is hope that Yassik will take pity on me and excerpt the part where Ugh. it was very clear what you were talking about. We'll just
1: replay it here. It's a week yesterday, actually, I do. So eight days, right? Monday. It was, it Monday. was on the... T- <laughs> Thank you, Yasik. And if you chose not to do
0: that, I hope you all enjoyed that three seconds of silence. All right. All right. Should we make a show?
1: Yes. Well, let's make a show about a show. Um, the show being the Oscars. so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So we are what? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is four, ni- four sleeps away from the Oscars.
0: Uh, by the time you today's listen only to it. Tuesday. I think that's another issue that you're having
1: today. Is by Tuesday. the time people listen to this, by the time this is posted, this show airs on Thursday, baby. Yeah. Four nights, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four nights. Great.
0: Cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, anyway, given that Duana bodes well for this conversation, Duana and I are not agreeing about much today. Anyway. So the Oscars, uh, abominable ratings the lowest rated oscars in did you hear like last I did, year yeah. last year the oscars 2020 about 23 million uh viewers this year just under 10 that is like ugh, wow well but
0: yeah and and you know i remember that for the past few years that's been mm-hmm. the headline right like yeah. oh the the headlines are are the ratings are lower than ever what do you remember what was the last like kind of good year or medium year like what were good ratings for the Oscars?
1: Mm, like, I should check the um moonlight La La land fiasco the ratings right. for that Oscars I wonder although if, people
0: didn't know that that was going that, to happen yeah,
1: right, but um no, it has been on a steady decline um and generally award shows this year in particular have been. I mean, the bottom's been dropping out, but for the Oscars that, like, they were an event, right? Like, even though 23 million in 2020 is significantly lower than the numbers they used to get, few events brought in 23 million viewers, whereas 9 million viewers is, like, now you're you're kind of hanging out with the people that you as the Oscars were never hanging out with before.
0: Yeah. I have a chart here, uh, that in 2010, it was 41.6 million. Uh, in 2014, it was something higher than that. Uh, chart doesn't specify, but let's call it 44 million or thereabouts. Uh, so in six, in seven years, now we're at 9.8 million. That's a precipitous drop. Correct. Um, understanding of course that you know people didn't go to the movies people who this really tells you who cares right like who cares about the oscars it's people who used to care maybe were people who went to the movies and got invested in uh, a given property or some properties yes
1: yeah so the ratings aside though like you know if they had made a good show that people really enjoyed we could have a conversation about well the ratings are bad and it's about the industry and you know the fracture the fractured way we consume things this and that the other but they tried they made a wonderful show and they uh, made a case for why the oscars are important and why it should be monoculture the show though i don't think you can make a case for that
0: it's not even that they made such bad choices. It's like they chose not to make choices. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think the criticism that rang the truest and thus strung the and thus stung the hardest mm-hmm. was people calling it like the third night of the farewell dinner of a corporate weekend.
1: Yes. <laughs> Ow, right, where they hand out the prizes, like yes, you know best enthusiasm or best sales pitch. Um, and as I wrote on the, on the blog the other day, partly it was that blue curtain. Like anytime I see a blue,
0: (laughs) right? I said that. Yes. I hated the blue curtain. Yeah. Um, it looked as sloppy as it was. It looked like they couldn't commit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, proper big thick red curtains. maybe they thought it would be too like look how much we're not at uh, the the Dolby cinema. but yeah it it wasn't
1: good. it wasn't good. And we should say though that there were like what was good um, was I would say 12 minutes, the first 12 minutes. like I think we all agree that the opening scene and Regina King were great. Yeah, but I wouldn't even say like the first 12 minutes. Regina King
0: was good. That's it. (laughs) That's what that is. Like there was an opening involving Regina King and some really good graphics and shots. Yes. That was great. Great. Then there was an opening monologue from Regina King. Yeah. And that was great.
1: Yep. And And that was it. So I guess what we want to do is like, I mean, yes, there's been a lot of writing and a lot of conversation about why the show was shitty. Um, what we want to do or what I'd love to do is talk about your TV producer. I have a TV producer in front of me. You've had like 20 years experience producing TV. You get it. And you've produced live, scripted, all of it. I am also, I work in television. So I kind okay. of want to like... Yes. But I'm not, I don't want to call myself a producer, right? Like lots of times before things get to me, things have been already been decided. So I would love to, you know, spitball with you the way we have in other, like on other topics. How do, how does the, if the Oscars were asking us for advice, if we were called up by the Academy and said, we'd like you to consult on the Oscars, let's play that game.
0: Are we, I love this game, but I want to know, are we consulting on future Oscarses or are we going back in time and being consulted before this broadcast? What do you want to play? I want to play this broadcast. Great. Let's play this broadcast. Great. Okay. Okay. So everybody liked the opening, right? Even if it wasn't a pandemic and different and whatever, great opening, great Regina King, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Then comes the first issue. I don't know where we are. You texted at one point and said, "How do they decide who's in the room and who's upstairs?" And yeah. upstairs could have been several different places, which is to say, there was kind of high in the bleachers, if you will, yeah. of the actual room that the that we were in, right? Yeah. Then there was clearly another upstairs overflow room where they did like the "We're the Oscars" corporate announcement. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Then there was also um, the, was it the American Film Institute in London or the British Film Institute? There was it was where, some theater, right?
1: That's where Olivia right.
0: Coleman was? That's where Olivia Coleman was and Keith Stanfield and uh, Daniel Kaluuya's family. Um, <laughs> and And we'll get there. But we didn't know where that was. Why wasn't there a red carpet of arrivals there? Why wasn't there an establishing shot? Why didn't you bring in a big sweeping jib arm to say, and the Oscars are here and they're here. Don't make it like, oh, we're grounded. So we couldn't have all our friends over. Why not make a point of showing me and they're here and they're there and they're wherever. You know, one thing that the Oscars has in spades that couldn't happen here was, um, like all the fans in the stands and whatever, right? Right. And they had that thing upstairs of our audience is full of fully vaccinated, like uh, uh, first responders, right? Yeah. Similar to what SNL has done and that kind of thing. Put those guys in some bleachers somewhere. Let me see them. Put them outside in a park, socially distanced. Let me see the full scope of what uh was going on like the way they did the london shots in particular mm-hmm. it looked like the muppet show like when yeah. you cut to statler and waldorf up on the balcony yeah. and you're yeah, supposed yeah. to believe that there's a theater full of other people um okay that's my first rant give us some fucking geography about where we are and why we are and like and- where was the drone shot putting us in the middle of la at the the train station at Union Station. Like where was the production value?
1: Well, somebody's going to say, I know like they chironed it, like, you know, they had, which is the text at the bottom and Duanna is making a jerk off signal right now. And that's not what we mean. Like chironing it is, is different from an establishing visual shot, right? You are filmmakers, you are producers. That's the story you're going to tell. Set the stage. Um, So I totally agree with you because I think it led to some confusion. For example, the the London theatre, there were times when I thought that that was just like upstairs from the train station.
0: Right, and Which the only I understand
1: t- why you thought, yeah, that, because they the color you. was the same, the color, like the tone, like they their intention was to make it all look the same, right? in terms of they wanted consistency. but in making that consistency, it led to narrative and geographical disconnect. I'm like, wait a minute, is that there or somewhere else? It was so confusing. And I think that's why the only reason the Paris shots work is because in they were outside, first of all, but in the background, I think you could see like. Like Parisian architecture,
0: sure, or the the rooftop where they shot all the musical performances um, before the show. Like they had clearly shot them beforehand and threw them in the pre-show. Yeah. They were using the fact that they were on a rooftop to like have some camera swings and moves and do some stuff. Yeah. Uh, like I, I I had a producer say to me once uh, when I first started doing um, digital content, meaning. Uh, shorter episodes, Uh, you know, the the immediate panic is like, oh, it's so much shorter than usual. And what he said, which I will never forget, was use that as an opportunity. Like when you have limitations like this, Mm -hmm. like shorter time or whatnot, it's not about what do you lose? It's about what can you gain? In that case, it's like, well, digital and a shorter budget means you can be more intimate. You can spend longer in scenes. So what would that look like? They should have used this as an opportunity to make it a fucking global ceremony. Yeah. You're right. Right. Give me the fucking London Vista and then push in on the theater and then go inside. Give me the, like the, the, yeah, the Paris shots and then push in. Give me the Where was the Eurovision song
1: performed? Like, I don't (laughs) know, but it was amazing. Like, like, a little fishing town, like the seaside. Yeah, you, ex- you're exactly there. right. You're exactly right. All right. So we've established that their establishing shots were shit.
0: Well, and just one more sort of thing about the the visual structure of the show. You pointed out, I think, they're in this Union Station, and it's all Art Deco, and it's kind of lovely. It looked like looked weird to begin with, but you could get the idea, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess there was daylight coming in. Yeah. And then the light changed. Yep. <laughs> right? The like light changed and they didn't account for it. It's five o'clock in LA going to eight o'clock for the broadcast. Yeah. And so the light changed and suddenly we were looking at a room
1: that was not lit the same way. Nope. Nope. Which, I mean, listen, I think that... um If you are talking about the third day at the end of a business conference, it's one thing. But we're being sold that these are the most sophisticated filmmakers in the world. And this is what they do. Like on any set, Duanna, you do account for the light. What time is it going to be and how is it going to look at five o'clock? Like that is what rehearsal is for. That is what like, you know... That is what location scouting is for. I don't understand why Halle Berry in particular, they did her so fucking dirty.
0: Um, Uh, Yeah, it was, that was really poorly done. Um, But actually I have to yes and you a little bit because uh, you said, you know, these are supposed to be the biggest professionals in a film. And I wonder how much of the team was the same team because live event television Mm -hmm. is catastrophically different from film, right? Yeah. In film, if the light changes, then you spend another 45 minutes like setting up different lights to account for that, you know? Or if you're Soderbergh or somebody expensive, you just come back the next day and get the light. Um, Whereas live TV, you have to adjust on the fly. So I do wonder if they lean too much into the filmic talent Mm -hmm. here. Yep, there you go. And- not enough into the who are people who can deal with live events.
1: Well, that in it, that may be the crux, one of the crux issues of the Oscars. This is an event that celebrates filmmaking that is a TV show. Yes,
0: it is a live TV show, no less.
1: That's right. And that is what has always to me been a, like more and more, especially a disconnect where a TV show is not a movie, a TV show, a live TV show that is three plus hours with commercial breaks. Right. Meaning that you're uh-huh. going to come in, have a break. It changes the pace of everything. It changes the emotion. It changes, And even on the tech, as you just said, even on the tech in a live TV show, they weren't accounting for the light. These are. Like, lots and lots of technical problems. Another technical problem I have if we're going to light and setting and rehearsing is, to me, it was so Mickey Mouse that they didn't close off one edge of the stage. You know that part, like, Regina King, where Regina King walked in, Mm -hmm. so she's walking in from the train station or whatever into Mm -hmm, this, mm -hmm. whatever they fashioned into a ballroom, so to speak. And so they had to leave that section open, right? They had to leave a gap so she could walk around. They never closed it. So through the night, nobody knew if they were like leaving from there or not. But when the camera panned over to that section, you saw shit going on in the background. That's like fucking production and live TV 101. Like you have bosses earlier in your career, Duanna, who would have like given you hell for a month if if you were seeing wires, if you were seeing tape, if you were seeing a gap on the stage. It was so, to me, so, so unpolished.
0: Yeah, and it was unpolished. It was unthought through, which then makes me wonder whether it was like it wasn't a last minute move, right? It wasn't like they suddenly chose this location last week. They weren't suddenly adapting, I think. Correct? Mm -mm. No, they had this set up for what? At least two months. Maybe they didn't have access. I mean, there's a whole other kind of conversation about how they displaced the actual function of Union Station, including many uh, dis-housed people who sleep there, right? Yeah. So maybe it was a question of not having access in enough time, but again, like, that was not
1: the move. It was was not the move. Because, you know, when you leave a gap open like that, it was almost like, you know how at hotels or at convention centers, they section off different events? So, like, you could be whatever – the the business, the Tractor yeah. Association of America could be having their convention in one wing and then over on the other side is the Floral Association of Canada on the other side. Right. And so they have these dividers. That's what it looked like. Or it looked like, you know, you it was one of those wedding halls and one wedding is on one wing and the other is on another wing and you might walk into the wrong wedding. That's what it fucking looked like at the Oscars. These are the fucking tech, the little polished tech things that when you're moving from a theater like Dolby that only is used for that purpose and you go to another venue, my God, they didn't think it through. I think that they poured everything into Regina and that opening sequence. And uh, it feels like they forgot about everything else. Well, they wrote a check that their asses couldn't catch, right? Like that opening was
0: so good, partly because it implied that the whole night was going to look like that. Yeah. And, you know, we should point out we haven't barely even gotten to the actual content of the show, which the main differences, it seems, were they didn't cut people off. Like there was no orchestra. No. And they didn't cut people off for speeches. Good idea, bad idea. What would you have done?
1: I, I, um, they didn't cut people off and they had a DJ. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no room for an orchestra. So, but they did have a DJ. I There was like low music playing under it. Didn't you hear it? Like, yeah. Maybe, but yeah. Okay. I, I'm not sure if like, here's the thing. I think that their risk and that what they were assessing is you can, you can, you can be, do the rude thing when you cut people off, when there's 2000 people in there, but when there's like a hundred people in there, it feels ruder. I, I guess so. I yeah. Think that and... was their, no, no, that was their consideration. I'm not saying that like, sure. that was the right call. I think that was their consideration. Yeah. I, I think that's fair.
0: Um, and that you just physically can't drown them out as easily, right? Like if you bring the music up, and start yeah. pulling the microphone away from somebody in in the Dolby theater. the message is is made, right? That's right.
1: And I'm not sure they had like I, did you look and see if there was any prompter like on like you know, monitors on the ground that would have been able to like flash a please wrap up?
0: Not that I saw um, and I that might have gone to the whole ethos of it's more casual. it's it's yeah. more loose. Uh but I'm not going to I didn't look that hard. So what would your recommendation have been? Or did you think it was fine that people went on for the length that they did?
1: I think that there were I think that I'm of two minds because there were some quite moving speeches that only got going, right? Like we wouldn't have gotten Daniel Kaluuya if there was I, a
0: Well, I disagree know. because they wouldn't have cut Daniel Kaluya off. Um the way that they did. And I should say that's something they did well, right? Daniel Kaluuya, speech of the night. Yes? Yes. Um, gives his acceptance speech. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, in a race with Yonya Jun, yes? But yeah. he gives the speech and they're cutting back and forth to his family. And they had established his family and cut to them often enough That when they cut to his family for the line, um, (laughs) which they didn't know was coming, they couldn't have known was coming because he did kind of ramble and amble his way there, uh, that we knew who they were and we were ready for them to, you know, react to that moment. So that went well, but it's kind of the exception to the rule, I think. Right. What would you
1: have done? How would you have cut them off?
0: Um that's a good question. Uh, how would I have cut them off? I think I would have had somebody, uh, walk up. I think I would have had them preface it and say, you know, uh, now here we are in like, put this in Regina King's monologue, right? Here we are in the whatever kind of place, uh, and things are a little different. So here's my friend Rodney. And if you go a certain length too long, Rodney's going to put his hand on your arm. And if Rodney has to like steer you off stage by your elbow, then, you know, we're all going to know, don't make life hard for Rodney, uh, you know, like (laughs) kind of make a joke of it, right? Like make it a thing so that people don't feel like it's, uh, open ended. Let's say that said Rodney has to be like ballsy enough to go up and and cut people off. But I don't know what I would have done, but that is one of my, that's one of my things I might've done.
1: Interestingly enough, this is where like at the nominees luncheon, th- they make an announcement every year. The nominees luncheon didn't happen this year, right? But usually at the nominees luncheon is when the producers are up there and they tell the nominees, hey, we're so happy for you. It's so great. We're going to take the class photo. The show is going to be amazing. Yeah, uh, but here's some tips for your acceptance speech. Please keep it to whatever, 45 seconds. We want everybody to have a good time. A lot of people don't heed that advice, but like, I don't think they they were able to, like, I, I'm not sure that there was any setting where there was a, like, there was a set of parameters where the nominees were like, were told by the producers what the show was going to be like. Like, that's what the nominees luncheon is for. Right, but I think
0: this is the genius of doing it in the night, if, if they're all packed back into the Dolby theater next year, I still think they should do this because once you say it on TV, it's true. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like if you say it at the nominees lunch and whatever, I don't know. I was in the bathroom. I didn't hear, but if you say it on the broadcast, then everybody knows what to expect.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know even if that was what was, what set the show long. Um, Uh, Like a lot of people enjoyed the little speeches and introductions that the actors gave to the, you know, the nominees. And for the most part, I did too, but that also led to a much longer show that was lots of talking, not broken up by anything visually different.
0: Yeah, it's almost like those are two different things, right? Because I don't actually think the show went mathematically that long. No, it um, didn't. It felt long.
1: That's, that's It felt that's, long. But yeah. yeah,
0: it's to your point. It's because the lights weren't going up and down. Yeah. Um, we weren't looking at clips that were suddenly going full screen. There's no um, music, like no yeah. performances. No, but the bit about like, oh, you know, uh, Carrie Mulligan is an actress who blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Viola Davis is an actress who blah, blah, blah. It did feel like a corporate uh, event, you know, it felt more and more like these are, and this is really where we're heading. Um, It felt more and more like these are just events for the people who are there. They don't need to be televised.
1: Yeah. And I think that if we're going back to ratings, as to your point, mathematically, even if the show wasn't the longest, it felt long. So if you're going to tune in for the first, whatever, 45 minutes to an hour, you, have, you already feel like you've been sitting there for three. And so if you're going to lose viewership, you're going to lose it on that, like, hum. Like, it's just one long hum. There were no, like, changes of pace and all of that. That's the problem. Now, that's what the Golden Globes
0: are. They're just one long hum. But the Golden Globes never feel that long or that terrible. Partly because they are all front-loaded with actors, right? They mm-hmm. don't trouble themselves with craft. Yeah. Uh, and partly because they are crammed in, and that's kind of the point, that they're mashed into that ballroom, yeah. and they're all kind of cheek and jowl together, right? Any yeah. shot of somebody walking to the stage is all killer, no filler, when it comes to, like, the incidental faces that you see. Yeah. So you know, I, I, is there something to be taken from that? I don't, I don't know. Um,
1: you know, I think that's, well, no, it speaks to like, I was in my first, remember when I said to you, like in the first 10 minutes, oh, it looks, that set is really nice. Like it looks good in there. But you said, and I agree with you now, after having endured the whole show, you said it's either too big or too, like it, it should be bigger or it should be smaller. Yes. Smaller they couldn't do. Of course, they were socially distancing people. They couldn't like make people sit closer together, but it did have, have like a lot of that also has to do with everybody was so spaced out. It almost was like the physical distance between people also felt like the physical distance, um, in terms of entertainment, entertaining moments. Yeah, right. They didn't it have was grace. a manifestation. Yeah, there, exactly. There was
0: nothing going on. So, speaking of entertaining moments, should we go to arguably the lightest and brightest spot, uh, which is uh, the Lil Rel and Glenn Close moment? Yes, let's go there. Okay, producer, what is your understanding of why that happened when it did? Do you think there were earlier moments? when that could have happened that were in the rundown and they dropped, we're dropping item 39. We're dropping item 47.
1: Wait, what do you mean? Do I think that it was originally intended to be up sooner
0: or that there were supposed to be several because Ah, that moment happened real close to the end.
1: Yeah. I, I, that is definitely like when you wrote that, I, I, I was like, exactly. Why didn't it happen an hour or at least in the first half of the show.
0: Yeah. It, 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 anything to break it up. I, but I do wonder if they thought they were going to run long. So they chopped time and then they caught up. So they had time to do that last one.
1: Was that what you, was that your feeling like that there would have been more segments of that? Could be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I can see
0: where if we're running long at nine 40, we drop that element. And if we're running long at 10, 12, we drop that element. Yeah. But by ten we're back on time. We don't want to be light yeah. on time. So we keep that element to fill two minutes.
1: Yeah. I could see that happening. I was just like, you know, but clearly it was planned like with Glenn Close. Right. So I just don't know why on a production scale, you didn't always have that. It was so great. Like, you know, and I think that they knew it would be great. That's why they asked Glenn Close to do it. Why it wasn't always scheduled to be up top. Like, fix it in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Maybe they thought... I, look, clearly they didn't think about lots of things. They <laughs> they didn't think about the possibility that Chadwick Boseman might not win. And that they're... clearly didn't. Having the best actor close the night, which was should have been this big... Sort of emotional moments Release, clearly they yes. were hoping for. Yeah. Uh, did not happen. The show literally ended with a whimper. Mm-hmm. Right? They clearly did not think about more carefully vetting the people in the press room. They didn't. Well, oh
1: my God. I mean, it was 600 people. What?
0: Are yeah. you joking? No. So if you don't know, of course, we are talking about uh, the moment in the press room that has uh, appeared on social media. Daniel Kaluuya was asked by a South African journalist, first, how it felt to be directed by Regina King. uh, And when he kind of audibly scoffed and implied that he didn't hear to give her permission to rephrase her question, uh, said... What does this mean for the community? She has, of course, since denied doing anything of the kind, and that's not what I meant. And we all know Mm -hmm. what she meant and what she thought. And not for nothing, her name is Margaret Gardner, and I have no shame in calling her out. Uh, Her her Twitter is now private after issuing all these (laughs) denials about having done anything wrong.
1: So yeah, 600 people were in the press room. I, now, you know, I covered, so just FYI, at the Oscars, there are press on the red carpet. And then there are press in like a a regular Oscars. There are press behind or backstage where the winners typically go right after they win. And they spend what, five at the most, 10 minutes. And it's, in like another area of the hotel. And it feels like, as I was just saying, one of those like cordoned off areas with like the sliding doors. Um, and I have been in that room. I'm for many years. I covered the Oscar press room. So I know exactly what it's like in past years, everybody gets assigned a seat and I'm just trying to envision the room right now, Duanna, to tell you how many people are in there. It's nowhere near 600. Um, I would imagine it's about, it, at most, 150 a stretch.
0: Right. But if that had happened in that room, yeah, what would have happened was that everybody, every journalist, without even meaning to, would have said, oh. Yes. And she would have been shamed and scandalized out of it. We've seen that happen with lesser questions. Yes?
1: Yes. And, like... You know, the, the Oscar, the Academy publicists are no joke. They are terrifying or like, I've been terrified by some like, I've been yelled at by an Academy publicist for wearing sneakers. Um, so like, you know, they are on it. So if that had happened in person, you probably would have gotten a tap on the shoulder and been like, uh, no more questions for you at best, at worst. Maybe you should go. (laughs) Right. Um, so, but of course this was a virtual press room. We were 600 people. So because, you know, I guess their philosophy was virtually, we don't actually need to worry about physical seats. So we can have as many people as possible in this virtual room. And I, I don't even know what the fucking order of who gets to ask the question and how you get to put your hand up is. Like I, well, I that's don't it. know. Like
0: 600 people can't ask 600 questions. So what's that's the right. point? Um, and I wanted to just read this one line. Bossip covered this story, of course. Uh, and they said something that is like, it's nigh on being a subtweet, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, it says, this is just another example of what happens when Black journalists who actually know Black actors are snubbed at award shows and red carpets. But that's a convo for another day. And I think this is worth mentioning because that room that you talked about, either in person or virtual, you have to jump through 98 hoops to even get into it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Many people are denied access Mm -hmm. to it.
1: Yeah. And this is what happens. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because for many years I was in that room and I was not the only East Asian person in the room, but I was probably the only East Asian person who wasn't representing a country from East Asia.
0: Right. You were probably the only East Asian person with a North American outlet. Correct. Correct.
1: Correct. And so I think that that was, and that was my experience. And listen, in this industry, I've been the only in many rooms, right? But I do remember looking around and yeah, there weren't any, and, and, and 100%, I can, I can confirm that in the times that I covered the Oscar press room, there were no or not very many black journalists.
0: Yeah. And, uh, again, it's not going to be because they don't know who the people are. Uh, it's going to be because of some level of snobbery about their outlet or the number of credits they have.
1: But also, I mean, I am, you know, I I totally agree with Bossop's point. But at the same time, the goal is for everybody to know and do their homework, right? I am not a black journalist, but I do know the difference between Daniel Kaluuya, the movie he was, was in, and Leslie Odom Jr. and the movie he was in. Of course, I think yeah. they're
0: just drawing that line of you know who's not yes. there, uh, and coincidentally, you know who wouldn't make this mistake. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, uh, among the other things the Oscar needs to uh, the Oscars need to work on, uh, yeah. it's seriously vetting who gets to have access to people if they want it to be the vaunted fucking institution that yeah. they say it is.
1: But. An extension of that conversation, too, is those questions as, like, listen, that question is, you know, how does this feel for your community or whatever? They are only being asked of BIPOC artists. And we have been trying to do this in, in, like, the areas where I work. I have been trying to do this myself, is not just asking the BIPOC artists, that question, the white, the white artists should be asked, asked that question too. You know, we're seeing for the first time ever tonight, um, a, a makeup team, a hair and makeup team, a black hair and makeup team win in those hair and makeup categories. W- what do you think of that progress? You know, you've been in lots of period pieces Downton Abbey, like, sh- you know what I mean? Like these, that question should be out there for everyone. Yes, absolutely. And, when we make
0: all of what we're talking about a, a, a concern, and in that case that you're citing, uh, a praiseworthy, exciting moment for everyone, which it is, mm-hmm. the better we get. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's still levels on levels of inequality on that front, too.
1: Yeah. And with all the press room stuff and the like, the virtual room, obviously when the Oscars go back to the Dolby, they're not going to be able to fit 600 people in that press room. So that's an issue that they can just kind of be like, oh, that was a one-off. Do you think though that they will say to themselves, whatever that show was, whatever didn't work, it was a one-off because that's not how we intend to always do our shows. We'll be back at the Dolby next year and they'll just go back to the same old? Do you think that that's what's going to happen? Or do you think that they will say, when we go back to the Dolby, we still have to innovate? I think the
0: answer to that question lies in the truly dismal 9.8 ratings, right? Mm. If I I think there will be false starts, but I think you are grossly mistaken. If you don't think that next year's Oscars is going to be full of TikTok stars And, um, (laughs) like it, you know, it'll have a host for sure. It'll have a host, but a young ass host and like viral moments and reasons for people to care because what this number has said to people is like, when the chips are down, ain't nobody cares about the Oscars. Um, and there are people who say, well, the films that were released were just kind of maudlin and not exciting. There wasn't something to root for, but, uh, you know, in past years, I think there've been more populist films that have made it in either by accident or on purpose. Yeah. Um, but I think the great crisis here is the ratings. So maybe it's going to broadcast elsewhere, i.e. not on television yeah. or you know, or be, yeah, full of hooky people to hook you in, or it's going to be like BTS is going to be hosting. I don't know what, (laughs) but, (laughs) but they got to do something big and dramatic, uh, to save this from
1: like whimpering to a close. I wonder if one day the Oscars will be on Netflix. I don't know if
0: it's one day, man. Like it's not like flying cars. Maybe one day in our lifetime. I think that's happening like within within the foreseeable future.
1: Well, uh, we have not too long to wait, Duanna. Ten months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the think
0: pieces about how millennials killed the Oscars, uh, on oh, top of sure. everything else they
1: killed. Okay. We have 10 months to go. Um, Until then, thank you so much for joining us and listening as usual. Please continue to send us your comments. uh, Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And definitely give us your show suggestions. We want to hear from you. We love hearing your thoughts about
0: that show. Uh, And we